Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin for the Michigan's Best Podcast. And my job is to find the good news in the state of Michigan and share it with you. And this month, we've been celebrating Black History Month all month long. And in our final episode, we head to East Point, Michigan to meet the mayor of East Point, Monique Owens. Now, Monique Owens was the first African-American councilwoman in the city of East Point and the first African-American mayor in the city of East Point. In fact, she won that election by less than 20 votes. When I won, I had a, uh, a white guy call me. Uh, he used to work in East Point, and he called me and said, Mayor Owens, I think I'm racist. And I talked to him and I said, no, you're not. I'm going to tell you why you're not. And, you know, if I was a racist person or a judgmental person, yeah, you're right. Yay, you're admitted it. Yay, you admitted white privilege. Yay. That's not how you attack things. You attack things with love. Needless to say, she has an incredible story. I am so excited to share this podcast with you. I hope you enjoy. And if you do, make sure you leave us a review because it helps other people discover the podcast. And without further ado, this podcast brought to you by McDonald's, celebrating Black History Month all February long. Please enjoy my conversation with Mayor Monique Owens. It is an absolute honor. How are you today? I'm great. I feel good. It's my birthday week. My birthday is Friday. So. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm February 2nd. So oh, I'm... wow. No wonder you get along so well. <laughs> Pisces season. Oh, my God. Okay. So let's go back to November, right? Okay. So you are the first African-American mayor in East Point. Uh, a, congratulations, Thank right? Thank you. Can, can you talk a little bit about, I want to talk about two things. One, what was that process like? And, and B, I do want to get into the fact that like not a lot of people understand what was going on here mm -hmm. that made this such an incredible moment in the history of the city. Can you talk a little bit about it? What's the last couple months been like? Um, the last couple months has been really uh, overwhelming for me. You know, um, I knew when I got elected, it was going to be a lot of work rebuilding a city that, you know, is come from so much and been through so much, you know, with a past history of uh, certain things as racism and, and you know, things like that. So train, trying to change that image of something that's been going on for uh, over 100 years, you can say, um, of that perception, it was kind of, it's kind of hard because I'm new. And so uh, it can be overwhelming when you're trying to change the minds and the perception of, of the past. Sure. And so doing that, making it more diverse and having diverse thinking and having different people at the table made it a little bit more easier because people understand why we needed to change. So combating the people who said we didn't need to change were some of the overwhelming things I had to go through. So I'm still dealing with those things that people who uh, can't accept the change and, you know, don't want to move forward and they're still stuck. So those are some of the, the standstills that I have. And, uh, you know, trying to move forward when people don't want to move, they want to stand still. And so how, how are you feeling about that? Right. So you're five months into this thing. If you had to grade yourself, where, where do you feel like you are personally? And then how do you where do you feel the city is? Well, I know the top score of any grade is 100. I think I said I'm 101. I over. <laughs> I do that. Um, not not to brag, but coming from a past of not knowing about politics at all. I didn't know anything. I was very religious uh, growing up. We didn't believe in voting. We didn't believe in none of the things that I'm doing right now. I didn't have any type of mentorship, even when I went to uh, go to go into being a councilwoman, then mayor. So where I'm at and not knowing and not having the education speaks volumes because 
in my first 30 days, I was I went to the White House. I met uh, Vice President Pence and other people from the Trump administration. And um, it wasn't too many African-American mayors there. I think I was the only one there. And the other uh, African-American ladies who are excited to see as well were council women. So lets me know we don't have a lot of people still to this day. Sure. You know, in 2020 that are not at the table that are diverse. So we still have a long way to go. But even being in that group of women, those group of women were so excited to see me and also uh, Trump's administration because I had so many questions and so many things that they were at all like. Who is this woman? Where does she come so, from? So what was that meeting like? First of all, you know, set the set the table. Why why are you all there for this meeting? And then sort of what was that like? Well, this is their second year doing it, and they invited all the mayors and from different cities to come and see what were the needs are in their community. So I was totally excited. I went to go to the White House, and then I was able to meet the Trump administration and let them know about some of the things that we were going through locally and why aren't they doing what they say they need to do. Sure. So um, they're like, okay, who is this lady telling us what to do? She just got elected, and she doesn't have uh, this this form of education that we have, but she knows what she's talking about. And so when I go back and saying I have a 101% doing well, I was able to, in the last 30 days, being elected, I was able to go to the White House. I was able to address some of the things that we were going going through locally. I was also able to get in, get, uh, in touch with Habitat for Humanity who is also working in conjunction with Bill Ford, who wants to bring container homes to the city of East Point. If selected, we'll be the first city in Macomb County to have container homes, which shows that we're innovative and things like that. Sure. I was able to amend, be part of amending the policy, which was my platform to make sure East Point residents have first rights to housing before investors. So I did that in less than 30 days. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to need to go back a little bit, right? Okay. Because to kind of tell your story, you know, you said we weren't into politics. I had no formal training in this. But mm-hmm. so you run for councilwoman two other times before you win. When you lose the first time, mm-hmm. first of all, if you didn't have a background, what was what was the spark that you're like, I want to evoke change and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to run for this. And I, for, I forget, but I think the first one was someone had passed away. Yeah, was that the first? Yeah, someone passed away. You're right. And then they had appointments at the time. And so they were appointing people and I tried to get the appointment several times. Uh, I was denied by council. And then I ran and then I wasn't successful in that particular uh, position. Sure. But I was successful just even trying and meeting so many people and things like that because they end up hiring someone and the people end up selecting someone who had prior experience, which got appointed, you know, in that process. So I say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. I spent so much time in it. And then people were contacting me and let me know the Department of Justice came through and said, things are not going right here. Why aren't, you know, people, uh, minorities aren't given a fair chance. And so people asked me to, you know, run again. And I said, I'm not doing it. But when I seen the need of the people and they seen that I was a leader and um, I went for it and was actually uh, elected as the first African-American councilwoman in 2017. So I didn't think I was going to be first, second, third. I just wanted to be a part of the process. So, you know, God allowed me to be the first. And I'm like excited about that. And so what made you run in the first place, right? What made you get interested in politics? If this wasn't a thing that was in your family, what what was the thing that made you go, this is my path? 
I don't know if I said this is my path. I've seen problems in the community. You know, I used to be a police officer for 11 years mm-hmm. with the sheriff's department. And i seen some crime happening. And I said, okay, obviously me wearing a gun and a badge is not, uh, it's something more I need to do, you know. So I'm a part of, you know, conducting the laws, but I want to be a part of, you know, setting those laws. And how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. Um, that week, I, it was in a newspaper, the CNG newspaper, and it said, we're looking for a, a, a council person. Submit your application and you'll be appointed. That's when it started. So I looked at my husband. I said, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, running for city council. He said, try it. Why not? And then in my mind, I said, what is that anyway? So I did my research, and I said, oh, my God, they create laws, they make policies, they were in the community. I said, that sounds just like me. So let's do it, you know. And so um, I went for it, and that's where it started. And then as I began to go into it, I saw that it wasn't a lot of African Americans a part of it. Sure. A lot of African, even when I won, they didn't know what a councilwoman did. They were excited. But I, I felt like it was bittersweet because you were excited because I was a part of it, but you didn't know what I was really a part of. So I felt like we're still lost then. I'm, you know, I feel like it's a, I'm, I'm, being, it's a, I'm being defeated because how do I continuously bring people to the table if they don't even know what we're talking about at the table? They don't know what the purpose of the table and the seats around the table right. is about. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, to yeah. be a part of the table. So I had work to do. And so, um, so I stepped back. I was like, I'm not going to run for mayor and things like that, you know, because in the beginning I supported other people that was going to run. I just want to, you know, I had just became elected as right. councilwoman. Yeah, yeah. I got to learn this, you know. And so I started and, and I remember the conversation I was sitting with uh, a political strategist who's a good friend of mine. He sat down and said, you know, you're going to be the next mayor of East Point. And I got mad at him. I said, why would you say that? He said, because it's your time. I said, well, I just got comfortable. And then I spoke with him earlier that day, and I said, I'm mad at myself. He said, why? I said, because I never get comfortable. And you're right. I got to do this. And so it was just something I had to do because I had to show, and even the Department of Justice, it showed me that in the past, African Americans, you know, have not gotten a chance to be law, part of the law, um, making the laws and things like that. We are those laws were usually made against us mm-hmm. and not for us. And I said, how can I open? And then you get used to it. That becomes your norm. Sure. You know, Yep. and if you deal with something for hundreds and hundreds of years and your lawmakers don't look like you, you just, that becomes your norm and you're okay with that. And I said, you don't have to be, you can be a part of this process too. And they, and people want to give up when, you know, you open your history books and you see politicians, you see, uh, presidents and nobody reflect who 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 looks like them. There's not too many African Americans in the old history books. There's not too many uh, Hispanics. There's not too many Filipinos. Nobody reflects the people that they're serving, or you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So people get you know uh, tired of seeing it and they give up. And the thing about me running was more to it than just being the first African American. It was about showing them the the possibilities that you thought were impossible. And in order to do that, you have to put God first because he's the only one who can make those things happen. And so, you know, I got people saying, you what? You're not going to win. East Point is never going to let you win. Are you serious? You better be you better be glad they let you be councilwoman. You know, <laughs> you should have been, there, you know, they barely let you do that. I, I can. I mean, I have, I've known you, you know. for 12 minutes. I can only imagine how that conversation went. Oh, yeah. And I got it from everybody. It wasn't just, you know, because when we talk about different groups of people, the first thing people think is I talk. I'm talking about Caucasians immediately when I talk about racism, prejudice, or people not including me. 
first thing they think about is Caucasian. And that is not the case because I had people that looked like me said, get out of here. I'm not signing that petition. You, you're wasting your time. And I'm, I was hurt because I'm like, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for not not just us, but other groups of people. I'm doing it for Caucasians because Caucasians want to see different things too. Sure. You know, in the past, you know, you go to slavery, it was a lot of Caucasians helped slaves become free. You know what I'm saying? And risk their lives too. So, so it's bigger than just Monique Owens. And so, but everybody wants to see everybody at the table. But in order to be at the table, everybody has to be a part of that process. And so I want to make sure that the group of people that people set aside that didn't believe in any, being a part of anything anymore, I had to wake them up. And it was hard to do that because it's been embedded for hundreds of years. And I would imagine your your gear of wanting to continually be uncomfortable, that's that's not normal for any human, mm-hmm. right? Most humans want to be, they want to sit at home and they want to watch Netflix for 15 hours yeah. straight and go to the job, right? They, they won't quit the job that's terrible for them because comfort is easier. So I can yeah. imagine that was a difficult thing to do. That was hard for me to, even now, it's hard for me to get people who are comfortable to let them know they have power because they feel so powerless for so long. Mm-hmm. And so to wake them up, they get angry with me because they were comfortable. And when you got people that's comfortable and you tell them to get uncomfortable and to move a certain way, they get mad at you because they don't want to. You feel like you're making them see something that they know, but they don't feel like doing it because they are, are, they're okay now. Mm -hmm. You know, they're either, they feel like we, we fought my, you know, it's no, I, I did that already. And so, and they get mad at me because, you know, if you show somebody something that they don't want to see, they get mad because now it's up to them to change. Yeah. Cause you've shown it to them. Cause right. I shown them to them and now it's up to them to change and they can't blame anyone anymore. So if I say you can do anything you want and I show you that in this, in both my elections, now you have the power to do it. Now, if you don't do it, you can't blame anybody. And people always want somebody to blame. Sure. Cause that's easier. It's easier. And so that was my whole battle in this whole election was trying to empower people, trying to get people out to vote because I saw the, so me being inside, let me know what, how people think about, you know, some African-Americans, like we don't go out and vote. We don't do, we're not educated in certain things. And you're absolutely right. And this is my job. Once I see what you think about a certain group, and I'm from that group. It's my job to empower those people and let them know you have a place at the table. Let me show you how to get there. And so what what has that path been like, right? So you, you go from mm-hmm. councilwoman to mayor. Mm-hmm. So you, you now have more power to kind of employ those mm-hmm. those tactics and strategies. And, and what is that like for you on a day-to-day basis, you know, for, for people who don't get to know you or mm-hmm. this will be statewide, right? People might not even know who you are, right? So right. As a mayor, what's what's a day to day like? If I wasn't here today, what would you be doing? Getting ready for the state of the city. That's next week, so that's my first day of the city. Um, showing people. Is it part birthday party too? No, I wish it was. <laughs> oh no, that'd be last thing. Oh, she's using the city money wear birthday and balloons. Uh, no, so uh, no. Well, state of the city is pretty much addressing where we are, uh, where we were where we're at and where we're going. And so me being the first African-American, I'm happy to be a part of this because I can show where where we were. I'm actually the where we were. I'm where we're at. And I'm the person that's, you know, showing the vision of where we're going. So, and it started with me. 
you know, and so uh, and addressing the different developments and the different things that's going on at East Point, you know, so doing a lot of research in a, in a regular day. I do a lot of researching to better the city of East Point. I have a lot of meetings with people that want to bring resources to the city of East Point. So sure. I've met some amazing people, done some amazing things. And also in my position, I was able to be on boards. People always call me. They want me to be a part of their organizations and, you know, the Boys and Girls Club. I used to be a Boys and Girls Club when I was a kid. So when they called me, they found out I won. They was like, oh my God, we want you to, you know, join us and be a part of our team and things like that. So it's not just, you know, East Point things, it's other things. And people see how people believe in you and see how you're a leader and they want you to be a part of their their leadership team too. So have you, have you always been vision focused? Like, has that been a thing you've been doing your entire life, right? Because you... Your energy is fantastic, right? You. And you can you can tell that even though you're here, you're mm-hmm. also thinking twelve moves ahead, right? Like, yeah. has that always been you, or is that just a skill you've developed over eleven years as a police officer? You know, like mm-hmm. where does the vision come from? I would say the vision comes from God. I talk about God a lot because that's what I believe in. Um, so even as a kid, you know, my mom's single mother, she was married. My dad, you know, left, you know, he was, they were both really young. And so I had to, I was the oldest and I had to help take care of my, my younger sisters and things like that. And I remember sitting in front of the TV on Saturday mornings and things like that, or looking at days of our lives, one of my favorite, uh, soap operas when I was a kid (laughs) and, uh, looking at the lives of people and just thinking bigger, I want to be on TV. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to go to Harvard University. I want to do all these things. And when you are living in a neighborhood where those things aren't talked about, where those things aren't seen, but I always was that person that thought bigger, had big dreams. And I didn't know how I was going to do something, but I knew I was going to get there. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I could not. I God had more for me. Even though it wasn't talked about, it wasn't pushed on me. Even my mom to this day, she said, I don't know where you came from, Monique, you know, because you wasn't taught that. We didn't push that into you. Not that it was something they wasn't trying to do. No, yeah, I follow you. It's just something they didn't know. They didn't know. So how do you tell your kids you can be whatever you want to be or you can do this or do that when no one told them? When you're not around those things, but you know you had those key people in your life, like your teacher or you know that maintenance man or that person walking down the street and said you're gonna be somebody when you grow up. So who are those people? Do you do you remember those people? I, I got a couple people. I got I don't know his name, but he used to be on the street that I lived on, and I would walk. I used to work at uh, Little Caesars, and I would walk up and down the street with my book bag on because after school I would go to work. You know, I was 16 years old, back and forth, and I would always bring three or four boxes and and walk with these boxes. And I'm, you know, and the reason I I walk with those boxes is because when we had leftover food, I asked the manager each and every night, can I take those with me? And he said, sure. And I would give it to the community. And so, you know, sometimes I didn't feel like taking that food home because I just didn't feel like it. I was tired of always walking those different blocks, taking food, but I know somebody needed it. And my household needed it. You know, I said I had a single single mom. Sometimes we didn't have food. So it was a blessing to me to be able to bring food home because I was, felt like I was a provider at a young sure. age. So, you know, um, but this one guy, he sat on the porch all the time and he said, excuse me, you're going to be somebody. I, I just I know you are. And I stood there and looked at him. He said, I know you are. And and I didn't get it at that time. But 
obvious, and I want to, and it's funny because I drove in my old neighborhood a couple days ago, and I want to knock on his door and say thank you. And um, I had a teacher one day. I was in a spelling bee, uh, Sister Willer, you know, in my in my school, and um, we had a spelling bee, and I. You know, once you get the the uh, how the spelling bees work is you in the fifth grade or something like that. So if you're the top person in the fifth grade that wins, you go to the next grade and go against the sixth grader and gotcha. Okay, etc. Yeah. Yep. So I, I believe I was in the fifth grade and I got all the way up to going against a high schooler. So I beat the sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader, ninth grader, twelfth grader. I was like, yay! So I didn't beat the twelfth grader, and I was upset about it. You know, I feel like I still should have got something because not only did I master my class, I mastered other classes to the point where I got to a high schooler and I'm going against spelling against a high school. Sure. I should have got something. Right? right. And I just felt so, you know, defeated and so angry a little bit like I should have got something a sucker or something. So, you know, and uh, the next day at school, my teacher said, um, told everybody to go to lunch. And she told me to, you know, uh stand uh stand by and uh everybody left and um went to lunch and she said i got something to give you she gave me a card with some money in it and said i don't care what nobody say you won you went over and beyond and you're not gonna just win here i can see you winning even as an adult even going and i didn't get it then but it was those key people in your life that say you're gonna be a winner and then you start you know you start seeing it as you go Cause there's going to be people in your life that's not always going to be your family or your friends or people that you think, you know, um, that you're around is going to tell you or see something in you. It's going to be strangers. Mm-hmm. And those strangers elected me to be a councilwoman. Those strangers elected me to be their mayor. And I don't know what else, you know, I'm going to go. But I know God has so many things for me. I don't know what they're going to be. And what's interesting about that, right, is in 2020, this, you know, strangers giving you compliments or giving you encouragement mm-hmm. is not necessarily how we as a society act, even though we probably should, right? There's many yeah. times that you're probably walking down the street and you think, I should say something to that person. They look nice today, yeah. but, but we don't. I should right. say to something to that, you know, I'm at the pizza place and there's just amazing teamwork happening. Mm-hmm. I should say something, but you right. don't, right? right? And and you miss those opportunities that mm-hmm. you could plant these seeds. And mm-hmm. yeah, you won't see what happens to that person behind the counter 20 years from now, or maybe you will, right. but you might change their life. Right. Incredibly. Incredible. And you don't know saying one thing to somebody, how their life can change just by saying hi or good morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some people uh, called me uh, not too long ago. A friend of mine texted me and she said, when I, it was one day I talked to you and I was thinking about committing suicide and just you talking to me changed my life. And so I didn't even know that, you know, I, sure. I was just calling you just because I'm right, checking yeah, up on yeah. you. But you can change somebody's life. You never know what no one is going through. And um, just putting a smile because I go through stuff, too. You know, I am human at the end of the right. day. You yes. know, people think, you know, because uh, you're a mayor or you sit in high positions, you don't go through anything. But you go through the most because and you it's have probably to, lonelier. Right. Because most, oh people my God. Are, most people are like, well, you got it on lockdown. You're the mayor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They think that. But um I'm human like anyone, and and then the higher you go, the lonelier, lonelier it is, because you have to be careful who you're around, you know, and who you who you tell things to, you know, because you never know people getting close to you because they want to just be close to the sure. mayor or they're trying to, you know, uh, say certain things about you. So you know, your friendships and and things like that diminishes, and you know, because I have a I've, I have a lot of friends. Trust me, I have a lot of people that want to be in my circle, but at the same time, you have to make your circle small because. You know, you got to concentrate and 
and do your job. You know, I have young children. They need me. And sometimes I don't get time to spend time with them as much as I want to, you know, because you share your time and stuff with 32,000 plus people in the right. city and other people outside that city that need your perception of, on things or your resources or your help, you know. So when ha- you has that been the biggest struggle for you, maybe managing your time in those two universes, right, where you've got. Mm-hmm. 35,000 people that count on you and then your family that counts on you? Yeah, it can be it can be a lot when you uh when people depend on you and they depend on, you know, I've I get all type of inboxes even when I want people need jobs, people I'm homeless, can you help me find somewhere to live, you know, and cuz once you are elected and people see you in a different light, they think you can help them with everything. Right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so so when I got those things, I didn't know how to to respond because some of those resources I don't have for you. And people look up to you like, you know, um, you're everything to them, you know, and you're a voice for them. And it, it can be a, a lot, you know, and even even with uh, my children, you know, spending so much time with the community, spending so much time with organizations, you know, they get it. You know, they love their mom. They love, you know, sharing sure. their mom. They yeah. told me, we don't mind sharing you. You know, they don't know that you tell us to, you know, uh, wash the dishes and go to bed at night. They don't see that mom part about you. But, you know, being able to balance, you know, that. And so when I do go out in the community and do certain things, I bring my kids so that I can share those moments yes. with them. I can spend time with them. So if I'm doing a community event, I bring my daughters with me so I can do try to balance both. They can see their mom in action. They can spend time with me at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know you've got a crazy schedule because you've got all this other stuff going on, like mm-hmm. running a city, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, a couple more questions, and then I'll let you go. And I want to go back to you as a child kind of watching television and having these dreams. Mm-hmm. And if you could give advice to parents single parents or otherwise Mm -hmm. of like kind of how to plant those seeds in their kids to dream because Mm -hmm. again you never know what opportunities will afford Mm -hmm. them if they understand Mm -hmm. that harvard is even a place right yes right because if you're in east point and you don't know if you can't look outside of your bubble you don't know what other stuff exists right right right. Uh, i would tell parents to open their kids mind up and let them know they can do and be anything i know sometimes parents say that but my mom didn't say that mom it was it was it was so limited how i grew up it was so um in a box and how and tried to force me to think a certain way and i couldn't think it so if you see difference uh see your child having special gifts if you see your child different let them express themselves Show them if if they're good at boxing, take them somewhere that they can master that. But don't shut their gifts down. Don't shut it down. If you know, if you see something special in your child, you have to open them up to a whole different world so people can see it. Because you can't, it's hard shutting, putting darkness on light. It's going to shine anyway. Sure. You know, and, you know, I spent most of my years, you know, 18 years of my life, you know, living a certain way knowing I had to get out can you imagine trying to be free and you can't because nobody around you saying it's possible that's hard Mm -hmm. it's really hard and so and and but I knew it was going to be so when I turned 18 I you know moved out my mom's house and you know things like that and I felt a little bit freer then but I still was a little bit in a box I always wanted to go off to school 
and I and I stayed home. I went to a community college, which you know that was still a good choice for me at the time. But no one said go off to school. Sure. No one said be in a sorority, do this, that. Those wasn't conversations, and I was scared at, at times to do those things because I don't know where I was going to get the support at. Nobody talked about it. So if nobody's talking about, it, nobody's doing it. Let me just stay in a, in 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 this box where it's safe. And I, I got tired of playing it safe. God doesn't play it safe, you know. And so I said, okay, let's do this. And like I said to this day, my mom does not know who I am to this day. <laughs> She's like, who are you? You know, and my grandmother died when I had uh, announced I was going to be mayor. I announced it June 26. She died that next day. And I wish she would have seen me today. But she knew People say she knew, you know, she she knew when I became a councilwoman, but she didn't understand it either because she didn't she no one told her her mother was a slave. And my my grandmother uh, worked for uh, Caucasians all her life and took care of other, you know, their families and wasn't able to take care of my mom. And then, you know, so my mom coming from, you know, uh, generations of. Not saying you can do it, you can do that, you know, you just work for a certain group of people and that's it. So she couldn't embed in me, you have power. She can embed in me, live your dreams because no one told her that, you know. And so when I told my grandmother that I was a councilwoman, the first thing she said is, I'm happy, but what is that? You know, so, <laughs> so you know, educating not only my myself, but my family and other people was a lot on me, but I was happy about doing it because... They're asking a question now. These questions was not asked. Mm-hmm. What's a councilwoman? And then when they ask it, they say, I know that sounds stupid. I know I'm 30-something years old. I know I'm 40 and 50. I should know this. I said, no. Asking a question is the smartest thing you could ever do. Sure. And so I was able to educate people. Because now you are involved in politics. Now you know what a councilwoman is. Now you want to know what a mayor is. Now you want to know how I got it. Now you want to know about how to be one. And those conversations have never been started, and I'm able to start those conversations with people. And that's how we start the process of getting people at at the table because now they know why the seats are at the table. They know what the table is about. Yep. And now they can be there, you know. And so I'm excited about, you know, the educating and things like that. So I got a couple books coming out. I can't wait. Kids books. And then I also have a book um, coming out about, the uh, things I've dealt with, you know, in my election, you know, I, the, the the racism, the, the prejudice and also the victory, because you deal with all that first. I could have said the victory, the prejudice and the racism. Right. But through the pain, through the hurt, there's still victory. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, don't see that because when you're going through so much, you don't see there's victory at the end of the at the, the end of the road. That's the common misconception of the word joy. Right. Because joy and happiness are very different words. Very different. Like what you're describing is joy Mm because you've gone through something Mm -hmm. to enjoy the victory. Right. right? What most people think is that they're synonymous. Mm -hmm. You're joy filled or happy. Right. But that's not they're not the same word. Joy is what you're speaking to right now. Right. And I'm glad you bring that up because I remember learning about the difference a long time ago because we think happiness and joy is the same thing. But then when we're we're not happy, we're, we're angry, we're mad. And then, you know, we. But when you have joy, even when the bad things happen, it's something in you that's still happy, that doesn't go away. And I would, I would argue again. I don't know you very well; just mm-hmm. met you. But like, joy is how you do this work, mm-hmm. right? Joy is how you know you're not 
happy about the racism or the prejudice, but you still find joy because you're pushing forward. You're taking steps in the right direction Mm -hmm. where if you're only reliant on happy, you would quit. Right. Because you're angry and you're sad and it's hard. Yeah. And you'll just go home because that's what they told you to do. Yeah. Where somebody who, like you said, is a God-fearing woman who Mm -hmm. understands Mm -hmm. what God is for joy is how you get there it's not it's not through happiness because like you said the antithesis of happiness is anger and sadness and then you stop right i think when um i try not to get too much in the bible because i am not the biggest bible fanatic trust me and i'm not perfect or anything like that but i believe in what i believe in but even through when jesus went through everything he went through i don't think he said let's do this you know it was things he had to go through for him to get the victory Mm -hmm. and who am I to say I, I shouldn't go through the same thing? Sure. He's way better than me. He he was perfect. So in anything that you go through, you know, there's victory behind that. And um, and so I, in, in the book, it talks about that. And, you know, and I hate talking about the prejudice. People think it's okay to talk about it. I don't like talking about it because I didn't know it was that strong. Uh, I don't like talking about racism because it's 2020 and I feel like some of the things I've done and accomplished, I would have got more pats on the back and claps and yay than the the beatdowns, you know. So that was new to me and it, and it hurts. And, it, you know, at times it still hurts. You know, I had my days in my election where I cried at night. I didn't want to do this anymore. I was sad. I was angry. I didn't understand why this person didn't like me. I was just trying to do good for the better meant of everybody but why everybody hate me didn't understand it and then that's when I knew it was something I had to do because I had to look at the people who needed me there you know even though I didn't see a lot of those people it was some of the people that need you sometimes they're not always going to say hey we need you right but they're fighting for you quietly they need you quietly they're the silent majority they're right? the silent majority you know, and so sometimes when you don't see that majority, you can get, you know, discouraged because you see so many of the bad people in your face. You're like, where are the supporters at? Where are you? You know, you see thousands of people against you. You see the five people that for you. Right. It's like, that's it, you know, and it gets discouraging. But even if you got one person there supporting you, you got to fight for that one person. You got to. Because that one person has hope. And you got to use everything you got for that one person. And that's exactly what I did. You, my friend, are an incredible person. Thank you. So uh, real quickly before I let you go, I know the children's book was kind of the first project. Is that one coming out first? Yeah. So when do those two things come out? It's going to come out this year. I was trying to do it on my birthday, but it was so many things I was trying to do for East Point. But it's going to be a children's book um, talking about politics, getting these kids to learn so they don't have to be like me and be in their 30s and knowing what a councilwoman, a mayor, a senator, a congresswoman is. So I want to educate the children who are going to educate the parents. You know, and um, like I said, my uh, my major book is the the prejudice, the racism, and the victory of Monique Owens. And so I want to talk about that, and you know, and let people know. You know, I'm not gonna do use real names or anything like that, but because the concept is not putting people on blast, it's not putting names out there or anything like that. But it's to give people a mirror and look at themselves, showing people themselves and how they treated this woman who was trying to do something for the betterment of everybody. And sometimes people don't understand what they're doing because it was implanted in their mind, it's okay. 
mm-hmm. it's systemic, right? It's been in their family for generations. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, I'm not excusing it by any right. means, but it's very astute of you to kind of look at that with some empathy of how do I change you without, right. without engaging in the same behavior that you're engaging in. Right. I had a, uh, when I won, I had a, uh, a white guy call me. Uh, he used to work in East Point and he called me and said, Mayor Owens, I think I'm racist. And I talked to him and I said, no, you're not. I'm going to tell you why you're not. And, you know, if I was a racist person or a judgmental person, yeah, you're right. Yay. You admitted it. Yay. <laughs> you admitted white privilege. Yay. That's not how you uh, uh, attack things. You, uh, you, you attack things with love. So when I, he told me he was racist and he um, admitted that, that's hard, hard for a person to mm-hmm. say, I'm racist. And tell that to a black woman. And so when he told me that, I said, no, you're not racist. I'm going to tell you why. Because you were taught a certain way to think. And everybody around you thought like that. And it became your normal. Now that you know that's not normal, you have to change. Now, if you continue knowing that's not right, then you're racist. And you say, I got it. Again, going back to what me and you said, when you take the blinders off, now it's up to you to make those decisions sure. now. Yep. You know, because there's a lot of things I was taught that people are like, you didn't know that. But once they took the blinders off of me, I seen things a different way. You know, and some people waiting for you to show them things. Mm-hmm. They're waiting, you know. And so I was excited that he said that. I was excited that he wanted to know more. And there's a lot of people that need to look in the mirror and say, this is where I am. And how do I move forward? And that's how America is great. That's how America is better. When we look in the mirror and look at the things that we're not doing right and ask those and have those real conversations. Sure. Because that's embarrassing to tell another African-American woman, I'm racist. I might not have liked you. And I did. I probably uh, created seen a a potential person that could have worked a job, but I didn't pick them because they were black. And that person says to you, you're not. And I'm going to tell you why, you know, because I'm not going to. You don't do, you know, if someone wants to be better, you don't push them down and say, this is what you are, yep. blah, 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 because they want to do better. And to admit it is the first step of moving forward. So. Mayor Monique Owens, thank you so much for the time. Have a wonderful birthday weekend. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity.